0: This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community, inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning! My name is Joe Merrick. I'm the pastor here at Journey Church. We are thrilled that you are here with us this morning. We just want to make sure that we say thank you for being here with us this morning, especially as we start a brand new series here called The Hidden Option. It's week number one. We're going to be talking about this for uh, this week and next week. And Let me just give you a brief description of what we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about the hidden options in life that we don't see, but that God does. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about this. We're going to do uh, some more of that in just a couple of minutes. But before we get too far into that, let me uh, just pause and make a couple of special announcements, some housekeeping things. Number one, I want to again say welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, We are thrilled, especially if you are new. Uh, Secondly, uh, the Connect card uh, that you could find in the seat in front of you. We want to make sure that everybody grabs one of those even now. That Connect card is just a a really valuable piece of paper for us here at Journey Church. Not only does it let us know that you're here, uh, you can share prayer requests, decisions you've made, things you want us as a church to know about, you can put that on the card, and then uh, that can uh, we, we make sure that I and the leadership team see those prayer requests and, and all the things that you want us to know about. So please uh, take a moment and fill that out uh, today, and um, we will uh, collect those at the end of our time together. You can drop them in the offering bags as they go by. Uh, A couple other just special announcements this morning. Number one, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all the people who volunteered to make Easter last week such a wonderful and special day here at Journey Church. We truly enjoyed uh, celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior and uh, enjoyed time together. It was a wonderful weekend here at Journey Church, and it was uh, because of the efforts and the work of so many, and so we just want to take a moment and say thank you to all those people who helped. Secondly, uh, Grace Zupke wanted me to make sure I mentioned this morning that it was her dad's birthday this week. Craig, if you see Craig uh, maybe after church or something, uh, make sure that you say happy birthday to him. All right, with that shared, let me just pray for us and then we're going to jump right in. God, as we look through Scripture, as we look at our life, one of the things I am convinced of is that you see options that we so often don't see. Today is going to be about that. Lord, help us to see you moving and working. Help us to see the options that you see that are so far beyond the options that we see. In your name we pray, amen. Man, I don't know if you've spent much time in in large docks where you kind of see the great big ships, you know, uh, the cargo ships that get loaded up with all kinds of cargo that gets traveled across the world. But if you look really closely, one of the things you will see on all of those ships is a line on the hull, a line on the hull that marks uh, how much weight the ship can carry. Uh, in other words, uh, displacement, if, if uh, there's too much cargo in the ship, uh, the line goes below the water line, and you can't see it, and that means the ship's overloaded, that it's unsafe. Just makes practical sense to us, right? That seems like a great idea, but it wasn't always that way. Wasn't always that way. Uh, in fact, um, when insurance first came out, one of the first areas that insurance covered was ships. Because uh, it was such a dangerous business. And so these ship owners they would buy insurance. And after a little while, when they realized, hey, these insurance companies will really pay for damages, uh, they'll really replace ships, guess what they started to do? They started to buy more insurance. And if you're kind of a greedy merchant and you got some extra insurance, you don't mind putting a little extra cargo on that ship. I mean, it's a win-win for you, right? If the ship makes it to its destination, you made some extra money because there was extra cargo in it. If it doesn't, well, you've got all this extra insurance uh, money coming. It got so bad, sailors began to call cargo ships coffin ships. In 1868, a, a man uh, named Samuel Pimsel in a church in sh- at a church in Sheffield, England, said, you know what? Enough. He stood up in, in the service. He, he said, I've seen too many good people die. I'm going to do something about this. And so for five years, he fought in Parliament uh, to make a change. Finally, the law was passed that every ship was going to be marked on the hull with a line Indicating its safe working load, a PIMSL line. I share that to say this. I think sometimes we need a line drawn on us. We need a line that indicates our safe working load. The tasks, the pressures, the stress, they build and they build, and we increasingly feel weighed down buy it all. According to a survey just a couple of years ago, Americans were the most stressed out, the most anxious of all the 14 countries that they surveyed. Stress has the same physiological response in us every single time, in every person. Our bodies, they do the exact same thing no matter what the situation. Our brain sends a message to our adrenal gland and it pumps adrenaline and cortisol into our bodies and it gives us extra energy. And that's great when we turn the corner and there's a great big dog coming down at us. It gives us extra energy to run away, right? But the exact same physiological response happens when your boss asks you to take on a big project. Give a big presentation when you drop the lasagna that you had just made for dinner that night, and all the guests are there. But now you don't kind of have the the physical outlet. That same adrenaline goes coursing through our veins, same cortisol, the same uh, chemicals are all throughout our body, but they have no physical outlet. Here's what I'm trying to communicate In every instance of stress, whether it's real, whether it's perceived, our bodies respond the same way. All that extra energy, it makes us sweaty, shaky. It makes us hyper-focused, hyper-focused on the options that are right before us. We get a bit of tunnel vision. Author Joel Malm describes it this way. (coughs) Sorry, excuse me. When stress comes, people are trained to see problems as having two solutions. It's a survival mechanism, he says. It helps us respond quickly in emergencies. It's great in life and death situations. Most of us, we don't have time to do complex reasoning. We either need to escape or fight, fight or flight. We're familiar with that idea. But that two-response approach isn't the most effective. It's not the most effective when we're coming up against complex problems, when we're confronted with a problem that seems impossible. And so, oftentimes when that, that problem seems difficult and hard and impossible before us, we feel the same fight or fight response kicking in. And we simplify the problem down to just a couple, probably two solutions, and even if they're not good, we pick one. But what if? What if there were more options? What if there were some hidden options? What if there were options God saw that we didn't see? This morning I want to share a story with you about a scenario that's just like that. It comes from John chapter 8. It's verses 1 through 11. We're going to start with verses 1 through 6 this morning. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. And in seemingly impossible situation, Jesus is getting put in. In fact, he's getting trapped. Verse 1. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. And the crowd soon gathered, and he sat down, and he taught them. And as he was speaking... The teachers of the religious law, the Pharisees, they brought in a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Notice, they are uh, pushing their way to the front. Teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They were trying to trap him, in case we didn't know that. It says it in verse 6. They're trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down, and he wrote in the dust with his finger. The book of John, this story is in this morning. And when we kind of just take a step back and we look at the book as a whole, one of the things we see happening in the book of John is that... It, the revelation of Jesus is just trying to get clearer and clearer and clearer. In other words, John wants to show us again and again that Jesus is the Messiah. If we go to chapter six, just a couple chapters before this, we see Jesus kind of proving that he's the Messiah with some miracles. He feeds the 5,000 there, he walks on water. Then in chapter seven, things take a bit of a change. In chapter 7, we get to see, uh, we begin to see the responses people were having about Jesus and and the fact that uh, some responded with faith, but many doubted. Some mocked him, who were close to him, his brothers. Jewish leaders, they questioned his authority. Common people, they thought he was crazy. Rulers of the region, they thought maybe he was a troublemaker. And then, that's all throughout chapter 7. So chapter 6, Jesus is doing these miracles. Chapter 7, there's all these questions. Chapter 8, right in the beginning, we get this trap. We get this trap. There is something devious in the human spirit that loves setting a trap. The love's thinking a couple of uh, moves ahead and thinking that no matter what the, your opponent, the other person uh, uh, thinks, whatever they choose, it's not going to be good. I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it again just quickly here this morning. When I was about eight years old, I was a cowboy. I had the boots. I had the hat. I had the vest. I had the chaps. I had it all, and I had the Nerf guns. Now, uh, in my house when I grew up, my mom had this crazy rule that you were not allowed to shoot people with Nerf guns. You could shoot stuffed animals, you could shoot little G.I. Joe action figures all lined up, which I was very proficient at, but you couldn't shoot people. I know it's crazy, what's the point of a Nerf gun if you can't shoot anybody, but that was the rule. One Saturday morning, I had had enough. I was tired of this rule, and so my mom was doing the dishes at the kitchen sink, and I ran up behind her, and I had my Nerf gun, and I shot her as hard as I could in the backside, and I just stood there and smiled. Now, she had a choice. She could uh, let this scenario go. She could kind of just bend her own rule, act like it wasn't a very big deal, or she could punish me, probably spank me. She chose the ladder. She turned me right around. She reared her hand right up, but she did not see me take the uh, uh, metal dog hair brush, you know what I'm talking about, the spiky ones, and put it behind my back. And so when her hand came down on my backside, she went, ah! And let out a scream. I was eight years old. That was a pretty good trap. That was a a pretty good trick. And and I couldn't help but do it. What I want you to notice here is how I I broke the rule, and I stood there with a goofy smile on my face. I mean, I can't tell you the story now without smiling, because i got to be honest. I'm a little proud of myself that at eight I, I laid such a good trick and trap for my mom, I know that's nothing to be proud of, especially as a father. (laughs) I share all of that for this one point. The religious leaders, the Pharisees who brought this woman out before Jesus that interrupted his uh, teaching session, they had the same goofy look on their faces. Because they were sure they had Jesus. They were sure that there was no way out of this situation. They were sure they had him stuck, trapped. And here is why. If he lets the woman go, he is breaking a mosaic law, a serious offense for the teacher of the law. If he uh, gives... If he punishes the woman, I'm sorry, if he finds her guilty, he says, yes, stone her, then not only does he not show grace, which he's kinda been showing all throughout in his teaching, but he's breaking Roman law because Roman law didn't recognize that uh, this was an offense worthy of death. So now he has what seems to be like no options. He's got no choice before him. Let's take this out of the biblical world for just a moment and put it in our world. How many times? How many times has stress built up and we've come into a situation and we feel just like that? In other words, we feel trapped. Like we don't have any options. Like there's no good options before us. We can go this way or that way, but neither of them seem like the right way. I know I have. One of the things we learned right off the bat in this story, one of the things we learned right off the bat in this story is that so often the choices that are directly before us when the uh, uh, emotions are pumping and the adrenaline is going through our bodies, the uh, options that seem immediately available to us, They are not the only options. They're not the only options. That's a key lesson we need to understand. They're not the only options available to us. Second thing we need to learn in the story, we're going to continue on here just in a moment. Those hidden options Those additional options beyond just uh, what is kind of immediately before us, those are often found in faith. They're often found in faith. The next thing that happens after the trap is set, Jesus finds another way. He finds another way. Look at verses 7, 8, and 9 of John chapter 8 with me this morning. They kept demanding an answer. Notice Jesus doesn't respond right away. That can be good advice in and of itself. And so he stood up again and he said, all right. In other words, all right, you can stone her, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. The hard-hearted religious leaders, they kept pushing, but Jesus wasn't falling for it. And then Jesus begins to refocus the situation. He refocuses uh, the attention on the real issue at hand, not the sin of the woman. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't deny that the, uh, the woman of the sin, the sin of the woman and the man, but he's not in the picture here. We don't know who that is. He's nowhere to found. be found. But he, he, Jesus refocuses the attention on the sinful hearts of the accusers. Hearts of self-righteousness that lack forgiveness. Hearts of uh, criticism that lack love. Hearts of judgment that lack compassion. Hearts of condemnation that lack sympathy. Hearts of punishment that lack restoration. Hearts of destruction that lack grace. Jesus finds another way, another option And when the spotlight gets shown on the accusers, what he finds is they're not so full of judgment and contempt. Jesus presents grace and truth. He doesn't back down from the sin before him. He focuses the attention on the heart problem of the accusers, and he extends grace to this woman. He finds a hidden option. An option that, that at least in the beginning, at the very start, it didn't seem like it was there. Last week, we celebrated Easter. The greatest hidden option story of all time. Death is supposed to be final. It's supposed to be the end. But for Jesus, it was the beginning. Him laying down his life provides forgiveness and grace for us all. Getting to heaven was supposed to be an all or nothing proposition. Either you live perfectly and wondrously or you didn't get in. Jesus finds another way. He finds another way. He provides forgiveness. And all of a sudden, a hidden option appears. This is one of the things that God is so good at. Finding those hidden options. It's one of the things that is the best part of following God. When we don't see any possibilities, He sees possibilities. When we look at our life and our choices and we feel nothing but despair, God says, Look at me and see hope. When we've messed up and we can't seem to make things right, God says, Look to me. And you'll find forgiveness. When somebody has hurt us and, and we can't find it in ourselves to forgive them, Jesus says, Look to my example and find the strength to forgive. When you feel lost and without direction, Jesus reminds us that He is the way, the truth, the life. When we doubt that, I'm sorry, when we don't feel special in love, God says, not only did I make you, not only did I die for you, but I know the very number of hairs on your head. In short, when you don't like the options listed out before you, make sure you look to faith and see what options God is adding to the mix. For his options are vastly greater than ours. Third thing that we see in this story is that God's options give us and others hope. Give us and others hope. Verses 10 and 11. Then Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them stay Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, well, neither do I. Go and sin no more. And here we learn yet another lesson, another lesson in the story that uh, when we seek God's options, it not only gives us hope, it gives other people hope. Jesus finds a third way. He finds an option that didn't seem to be there in the beginning. And not only does he get himself out of the uh, situation, out of the trap, he extends grace to this poor woman who's really just being used as a pawn in something that has very little to do with her. And Jesus was able to demonstrate God's grace and love that he had been talking about to all the people who saw him interact with those teachers of the law that day. It's been able to demonstrate God's heart that's full of love and grace for every one of us who has gone on to read that story. The lesson we need to learn is that when God opens options and doors for us that seemed hidden before, it's not always just for us. It's a blessing that should extend beyond us to others the bottom line for today what we need to walk out knowing today are just these three things number 1 that the options directly before us are almost never all the options Even though that's what uh, 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 our bodies are telling us when the uh, adrenaline is pumping through us and we're hyper-focused on what's right before us. We need to hear. We need to hear today that uh, when we find ourselves in those situations, let's be honest, that happens often. Those aren't all the options that are available. Second thing need to learn is when we are looking for additional options, the best place for us to look is to God. The best place for us to look is to God. And then finally, when we're blessed with an option, with an avenue that that wasn't there before. We need to look for not only how it benefits us, not only how it blesses us, but how that blessing can continue to other people because that is how God works. Let's pray about these things this morning. Lord God, we live in a stressful world and so many times... We feel trapped. We feel trapped. We know that in this story, Jesus was trapped. You were trapped, God, and you found another way. God, my prayer today, my prayer today is that for those of us who find ourselves in a hard situation, who find ourselves just kind of stuck with two options and neither of them seem very good, that our eyes are open. That there are options you see that we don't see. That there are ways that the story continues that we aren't writing in our imaginations and that we need to right here in the middle of this prayer, God, if there are folks who find themselves right smack in the middle of a situation, of a trap, where the stress and the anxiety is high and they feel stuck and they don't know which way to go, neither of the options that are before them seem like good ones. My prayer goes to them right now. Goes to them right now that their eyes are opened to what faithful options you might see. What ways you might be able to write the story that are completely different than what we see in the current situation. God, give us the courage and the strength to pause and wait to see the way you see. Give us the courage and the strength to take the options that you provide. God, let us learn the lesson that when those options come, when those new doors and avenues, when they open up for us, Lord, don't let us be selfish. Just hold on to the blessing all to ourselves. Let us look for ways we can extend that blessing because we know that is how you work and that is how you're honored. Be with us today, God, in your holy and wonderful name.